2: Welcome to the Point After on WDVE Pittsburgh. The entire Steelers radio broadcast team is here to break down the last game. Here's your host, Missy Matthews.
0: Here's the shotgun snap for Watson. Steps up in the pocket. Now he wants to run. Now he's flushed out right. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Throws it against his body. It's intercepted. Mike Hilton has the ball at the 20-yard line.
1: Everybody, welcome to The Point After. Welcome inside the WDVE studios. I'm Missy Matthews with Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley. Another victory Monday here, which is always good. Billy, at this time in 2019, the Steelers were 0-3. The Steelers now in 2020 are sitting here at 3-0, and it feels pretty good.
0: Let me think about that now. 0-3, 3-0. and <laughs> Wow. Uh, you know, for the first time, and I have to bring in the University of Pittsburgh, but I will, for the first time since Heinz Field- came into existence. Both Pitt and the Steelers are 3 and 0. That's never happened before.
1: Feels pretty good. Oh, it feels good.
0: Uh, it's so much fun to win and uh, especially when yesterday when it was 14 to 3, we weren't thinking about 3 and 0. We were thinking, "Uh-oh, the difference between 0 and 2 and O and 2 and 0 is
2: uh, scant." So it it was great. I don't know, you lost me when you, when I had to carry the one. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> three and oh I think you get that one on. <laughs> <laughs> well if it was a 28 to 21 victory over the Houston Texans a little back and forth as Billy said to keep everybody on their toes but this is only the ninth time in team history that the Steelers are starting the season three and oh, I have to bring up some dates some years no math just to uh Beautiful. let you know 2010 Steelers started 3-0 2007, 1992, 1982, 1973, and 1936. And I think when you hear some of those years that the Steelers ended up going to a, a Super Bowl, that makes you feel pretty good that you're starting 3-0.
2: No question about it. Um, you know, the fact is, this is really, again, you go back to this is week three of preseason. The fact that you can keep mm-hmm. growing, keep learning, keep making mistakes, but not costing you games. This is huge. Um, when you think about where this team could be based on what they've, has transpired in the off season for everybody, but still, um, this is given fact that uh, Ben is still shaking off some of the rust and he's doing a magnificent job of it, but it's all part and parcel of, of the whole, you know, kit and caboodle, as we like to say. So um, I, I love where they're at. and I love the fact that they're growing as they're learning as they're still winning.
1: Billy, Mike Tomlin said after the game yesterday when talking about the Steelers' defense, they never blinked. The first half was not pretty. The second half is where things got uh, pretty good. In the first half, Deshaun Watson was 14 of 18, 202 yards, two touchdowns. But then in the second half, this is the Steelers' overall. Zero points allowed, only two first downs, 51 total yards, including eight rushing Nine forty-nine in terms of time of possession, three sacks, one for five on third downs, and, of course, the only turnover of the game, the interception by Mike Hilton.
0: And a beautiful four-minute drive. And we talked about it. Well, it's four and change, and let's see if the Steelers can play keep away, which they did effectively.
2: No doubt about it. The second half was punt, punt, interception, punt. Uh, in the fourth quarter, there was uh, two drives um, that the Steelers had. Uh, 12 play 13 play both of them totaled up uh, almost 12 minutes and That's, I think that I was just gonna say the best defense is a good offense when you have somebody sitting on the other side of the field like Deshaun Watson the 156 million dollar man best place to for him to be is on the bench and late second quarter when the Steelers drove and scored you
0: figure well this could be a double score because they're going to get the ball to start the third quarter We didn't know about that 50-second drive (laughs) that that suddenly answered. But um, what I really liked was that drive in the third quarter, to start the third quarter. Okay, only three points, but we kept their defense on the field for over five minutes, and I think that set the tone for the second half. You guys know I'm talking about uh, Wolf and Tunch. They played the game enough to know when the other team, especially the defensive players, start putting their hands on their hips, And start
2: bickering. (laughs) I I was going to use another word, but I'm glad you came up with that. Yes. Uh,
0: Yeah, and, and I think that set the tone, and the rest, as we say, is history.
1: Well, today, Vince Williams was speaking to the media, uh, Zooming, of course, and he said that they talked coming into this season that it was going to have to be complementary football, which I think we've seen uh, a lot from yesterday's game, but also throughout the first two games right. getting to this point. But he also said, you know, starting three, you know, sounds great. Everyone remembers what and three was like last year, but you can't get too confident because as we saw, the Texans could have very easily won that game if things did not go in the Steelers' favor in that second half. So how do you walk that fine line of not being overconfident but enjoying the process of sitting here without a, a number in that loss column?
2: You enjoy this win for the allotted 24 hours. Then you put your, your work boots on, you put your hard hat on, and you go back to work and forget about it. You're at 3-0 and because you've had a great effort. You've had, as you talk about, the fact that you have complimentary football. But Chuck Knoll was always all about It's not necessarily a 50-50 proposition or 33-and-a-third if you include the special teams. This is all about everybody. You do whatever it takes. So if it takes on a 19-play drive that Cam Hayward drops into the middle third on cover three, (laughs) intercepts a ball. (laughs) I mean, mean, come on. Cam right now has got more interceptions than Minka, okay? (laughs) Who would ever thought that? Just
1: putting it into perspective. Just put it
2: into perspective. It's whatever it takes. And whatever it takes may be – Terrell Edmonds on fourth and two, making the big hit, dropping the quarterback, Driscoll, right there. Uh, it may take James Conner taking the rock and going 59 yards to seal a victory or like yesterday, a 12-yard touchdown run. He was all downhill. I knew when he hit the five, said, there's no way anybody going to stop him. Now no. he's got all that mojo going. Baby, it's paid or nothing.
0: <laughs> and how about the weapon called Chase Claypool in the four-minute drill? They do that slip screen, and he can knock over smaller guys, and he did, and look out. What could have been an eight-yard play or a first down was almost a
2: touchdown. Uh, boy, that's a weapon. You know what was funny was I saw him on a punt just before that. He came He was a gunner. He came down, and he tackled the guy. I'm, I'm watching him going, you know, I remember saying they used to say. I think Chuck used to say it, if I, if I recall. He always used to say whatever talent you display – uh, at your position, that's all about talent. But what you do on special teams is all about desire. And he's got a lot of desire, and, that young man.
1: And I know we talked about this a little bit after that, the Giants game. He had the right. toe tap there. But uh, Brian Kelly told me after the Steelers drafted him, Billy, that Chase Claypool was the guy who raised his hand and said, I'll do special teams. What do you want me to do? He said, if you ask Chase Claypool, you know, to clean up the cafeteria after the day's done, he'll say, okay, no problem. If that's what you need me to do. That's I'll a do great it. great
0: quote. Man. And I love your nickname.
2: Oh, it wasn't mine. Oh. Somebody came up with it. Mapletron? I, I actually yeah.
0: heard it on the pregame show.
2: Yeah. yeah. and
1: He's selling merchandise now with it. So well, we can, really, well, since you him... love Mapletron, we'll have to get Wolf a T-shirt.
0: I, I think that it. was his nickname in high school. I in
2: British Columbia. Yeah. So I, you know I, the Canadian I, Megatron is <laughs> Mapletron. I love it. It's very
1: fitting, for sure. Yes. Uh, going back to the Steelers defense, Billy Mike Hilton. We heard your call of his interception. That uh, you know, Coach Tomlin called enormous after the game. Even T.J. Watt said that's where we finally started feeling some excitement, creating their own juice. But Mike Hilton just yesterday, seven tackles, one tackle for loss, a pass defense, a one interception. He just keeps showing up on the stat sheet.
0: We knew he could blitz. You know, he's got that ability to go from A to B. But there was a question about his coverage ability. I think he's answered that in the affirmative last year and certainly this year. He can cover people. And even though he gives up a couple of inches, it doesn't matter. He plays bigger. So uh, I think, well, well, we'll get to it later, but I, I think I have a candidate for the.
1: we won't let you go too much down there uh the the pressure wolf there was five sacks seven tackles for loss 12 quarterback hits and quarterback hits have been in double digits all first three three weeks here one interception and four passes defense so what were they doing to try to contain deshaun watson yesterday which we knew going into this game you had to keep him in that pocket
2: you know i was a little bit confused because In the run-up watching the Chiefs game, the Ravens game, uh, Deshaun Watson was all over the place. They had rollouts, they had waggles, they had sprint outs, the bootlegs, everything. They did none of that hardly. I mean, absolutely none of it. I was shocked. I thought, surely with this team, this defense of the Steelers that has been doing double-digit quarterback hits, sacks are are coming out the wazoo, surely you're going to keep moving him around. Uh, They didn't, and I was surprised. So they had a lot of mush rush in the first half. Uh, then he started to move around in the pocket, creating – and what he's waiting for, they're playing zone. So you're waiting for those receivers mm. on the crossing routes or whatever to sit down in the windows, you know, and, and he just kept moving just enough so he could do whatever he needed to do. Well, in the second half, they started to run the twists. They started to send more people. They started to uh, – um, change up the man coverage and go um, different uh, different combo coverages, and that's what got him. I mean, you think about it, eight, 14 of 18 for 202 in the first half, and then he was 62 yards or something in the second half. They got after him, they shut him down. Um, I think the the body blows. Uh, there's that old uh, you know there's that old test study that says if you take a quarterback and hit him hard and sack him or hit him hard five or more times, they get less and less accurate as they go on.
0: I'm not going to pretend to be a defensive coordinator, uh, or in this case, I'm sorry, an offensive coordinator,
2: but uh,
0: you wondered why they didn't waggle him and, and I, sprint I was him out. Well, you know, I think with the Steelers defense, you have to pick your poison. You want your quarterback getting dinged outside the pocket, or do you think he has a better chance inside the pocket, even though it collapses?
2: Do you remember when TJ lit him up on the sidelines? Oh, yes.
1: Remember, he was down. Oh, yes, yeah. Now you
2: pointed that oh, out. Well,
1: Deshaun got hurt. He went off, and they were looking at him a little bit. Even TJ, that was the first time TJ came up and was kind of grabbing at his side. You could tell that that was uh...
2: – No, but TJ donked Deshaun because yes. you, you'd made – Oh, okay, I'm on – I'm the saying right.
1: both of them okay. kind of came up. You could tell it was a pretty oh, hard – Oh, really? Was yeah. that the
2: same play that TJ was holding his side, mm-hmm. too?
1: Well, twice T J did it yesterday. You knew there okay. was no way T J was coming out of that game. He's no. kinda like Ben, you know, where they come over and they wanna look at you and he's just like, Get get out of my face. I'm well, right especially ready to go. if
2: your big brother's on the other sidelines. You ain't doing that. <laughs> well,
1: and you're leading him in sacks and then you picked up another sack yesterday, so now you're leaving leading him in the more. It's family honor, man. It's family
2: honor. You know, you gotta roll with it.
1: Right. That's yeah. <laughs> funny
2: because, you know, one of the most powerful moments for me, there was, I, 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 I'm kind of jumping backwards, and forgive me if I'm out of turn, but was when TJ and, and JJ met for the coin toss to see two brothers, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry that the Heinz Field faithful could not have enjoyed that moment. Or it their was parents in abs- person. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. What a beautiful moment to see those two out there representing their teams, and at the end, that hug means everything because you are I, – I played against my brother. He was with the Cardinals, Steelers, and we played each other a couple of times. And uh, those moments right before, you know that juice is running 100 miles an hour. You are so fired up. And then you see your blood brother, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wild moment is all I can say. And so to see those two brothers together out there was very, very special. And
0: they had a great visit afterwards, all three. Oh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I am sure. interested to see also TJ said after the game that he was mic'd up for NFL Films. He said, I don't talk a lot. I don't know why they wanted to mic me up. It's like, Well, you were you're playing your older brother and There there's right. three of you. But I am anxious to see, you know, what the exchanges were like pregame, even maybe during the game and afterwards. So that usually comes out around Tuesday or Wednesday. So we'll have to stay tuned. That'll
2: be interesting. That was a that was a powerful moment. Very cool.
1: All right, guys. Well, it is now time for our electrifying moment of the game brought to you by IBEW Local Number 5. Wolf, you are up first. What are you picking for your electrifying moment of the game?
2: Let's see. It's Houston up 14-3 in the second quarter. First and goal from the one. Benny Snell gets stuffed. Second and goal from the one. Ben throws it away, and they call him for grounding, and you know, intentionally throwing the ball. And I'm sitting there going, third and ten, are you kidding me? It's, you're down 14-3, and you, you, what are you doing? And then he goes back, and he splits Ebron out to the right. I'm thinking, there's no way you can run a fade route with a tight end. I mean, you, you <laughs> don't do that. And he did it, and he dropped it in perfectly. I'm thinking, that's a Hall of Famer, and that's what he does. That was amazing.
1: <laughs> All right, Billy, what are you picking for your electrifying moment? Of I the let game? the cat out
0: of the bag. Mike Hilton's interception that kind of you know gave the Steelers the football, and uh, Ben and company know what to do with the football, so – uh, Mike Hilton's interception, I think, spun the game in favor, definitely in favor of the Steelers.
1: All right. Well, we have to talk a lot more about Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers' offense, the return of Dave DeCastro. Wolf. I want to hear Ooh. all about how you think he did. Even chokes a core for against J.J. Watt, T.J. and Derek's older brother. So we'll do that and much more when we return here on the Point After. You're listening to W D V E.
2: Back to the Point After on D V E you know, I've played a lot of games and, um, you know, I, I, it's such an honor, um, to be, you know, up there with that name, with Mike Webster. Um, obviously what he meant for this franchise, uh, the hall of Famer, or the person, and, and, you know, we all know the story, but what he did, um, you know, hes iron Mike for a reason. They're never going to call me iron Ben. I get that because there's only one iron Mike and, and I'm just humbled and honored to be in the same category as him. I don't want to It's not like I passed him. I just feel like I joined him today.
1: That was Ben Roethlisberger so eloquently after Sunday's win over the Texans, talking about his 221st career regular season start for the Pittsburgh Steelers, passing Mike Webster. Welcome back to the point after everybody. Missy Matthews, Bill Hillgrove, and Craig Wolfley. And Billy, uh... He, he just said it so right. Everything that Ben said made sense. He knew what that meant. Um, and no, he won't be Iron Mike or Iron Ben, but he is Big Ben. And there is a lot to be said for a quarterback to do what he is doing. You
0: know, Missy and Wolf, having covered so many great players and been fortunate to do so, I think there's a thread there among great players. They have a great sense of history. And... You know, I it I, it's uncanny. They just, they know. They know what they can do. They know what others have done. And they know who's around them. And for him to say I joined uh, him, uh, to me, that, that that almost brought a tear
2: to my eye. You yeah. know, I got to tell you, and you're spot on, Billy. I got a little misty-eyed myself thinking about Webby. All the years that we lined up next to each other, Tunch also. And uh, we talked about it. And there's... So many memories, so many moments. It's, I mean, way too many to even begin to talk about it. But the thing that tied, I think, another thing that ties great athletes together, or should, is their sense of humility as well as their sense of history. Mike Webster was a very humble man, very humble. And Big Ben, I thought that was uh, setting the tone as far as showing uh, and, and participating in some humility there. That's pretty cool. Very cool.
0: Back in the 90s when I first started doing the games. We played at Kansas City. He had retired. And I'm walking off the press elevator, and I look down the hall, and who's looking at me? Webby. Mm-hmm. He goes, Hillgrove. They don't <laughs> let anybody in this place. <laughs> 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 that was typical Webby. Yeah. Huh. <laughs>
1: a a very uh, momentous day for Ben Roethlisberger uh, with passing Mike Webster for that record for the team record, but also uh, what he was able to do on the field. Wolf, you've talked about it earlier, just the decision-making things that maybe you were thinking, I don't know. Does that make sense? But you know, I think Ben is really getting a feel for this offense and especially for the weapons. There are new guys, Eric Ebron, uh, even Deontay Johnson. I know he got hurt yesterday, but that's somebody that Ben didn't have a lot of time with right. due to his injury and missing pretty much all of last season. So Ben was 23 for 36, 237 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, what did you think about his performance in terms of just leading this offense and making good decisions? You
2: know, going back to the Ebron thing, I mean... that this guy just has the ability to make, I don't know, chicken salad out of chicken doo-doo. You know what I mean? The <laughs> things that happen out there It's family he, show. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm so. glad you recognize. Thank, Thank you, sir. <laughs> and the fact is, I mean, this is what he's capable of doing. This is what a Hall of Famer looks like. This is what franchise quarterbacks do. Why you don't even have a sniff for the playoffs if you don't have a franchise caliber quarterback. And so watching him as he shakes off the rust, because I'm sure he'll admit it, he's still shaking off the rust, but he's in great shape. He's got the the long ball back. Now he's just got to time it up with the receivers. But when the pressure's on, it, this is the way I can only describe it in my terms. When I first got to step in the huddle with Terry Bradshaw and play alongside Brad, which I did for three years or three or four years there, I can't remember. And uh, being in the huddle with the blonde bomber was like this. It's like, no matter how bad the moment is, how bad things are going, or how great, doesn't, doesn't matter, no matter what, he's got it under control. He may be 0 for 10 in his last passes, but on fourth down, and he needs the play, he makes the play. And that's just the confidence you always have when you step in with one of those guys.
0: I've always said it, no matter the sport, but especially for football, the great players make everybody around them
2: better. Right, absolutely, and I think you're spot on with that. That's what he does.
1: He, uh, Billy, I thought it was interesting. He's been very self-critical through these first three games of himself. Post-game, even when we get a chance, you know, he watches the film, and we talk to him again on Wednesdays. And this past week, his whole thing was my footwork. He takes Wednesdays off from throwing, but he was out there. Wolf, I know you were there at practice with Tunch. um, And he said, I I worked on my footwork. I needed – there was work that needed to be done. Do you see something different about Ben maybe coming off of this injury and knowing – okay, I have a really good defense, I have some really good weapons on offense, and we have something special potentially here?
0: I think I see a resolve. He is, you know, just hell-bent to prove to the world that he belongs in the discussion of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever played the game. And unfortunately, he doesn't often enter that conversation. But I will tell you this, and this is my observation, the really great quarterbacks play their best ball after the age of 30. And the reason for that is, in my belief, the game is slow for them. When that ball is snapped, they see things that a rookie quarterback has no chance in eighties of being able to see. I'm glad you recognize it's a family show here, buddy. <laughs> 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 yeah, it may deteriorate. Give me, give me some time. But no, that, I, I really think so, and I think Ben senses that. You know, it. The game is slow for him. When the ball is snapped, he's looking at stuff that when he was a rookie or a second-year player, he never even thought about looking at, and. Uh, it just,
2: you know, and it shows up, maybe not in the stats, but it shows up in victory columns. It's kind of the difference between three-dimensional chess and checkers. You know, I mean, guys, you know, you people talk about Wayne Gretzky. They said he would pass, you know, a couple passes ahead of before anybody was there because he could see and sense the play unfolding around him. And I think Ben's it the same way. And the other thing I think, you know, the footwork you watch, he was really doing some footwork drills. It was not like, okay, let me go out there and do a couple. He was really working at it. And I thought, you know, I wonder, I think he's probably got a greater appreciation and a sense for the end coming up and the legacy he wants to leave. And that's spurring him on. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I think's grown, maybe some of the the, the best part of him that's grown is his leadership skills. I really think that he has blossomed into the leader that he always that anyone, everyone would want him to be. And when you saw him, just whether it's with uh, you know Kevin Dotson when he doinked his knee in the you know stands, or Zach Banner, one of his boys, um, he's just one of those guys now who who everybody looks at and you know you know he's the king. Let's go, you know you ride with the king. So have at it. I think the great ones see
0: the play before it happens. Any sport, and you mentioned Gretzky. Uh, Ted Williams. I remember talking to an Air Force general. He said to me, Billy, he said, it's accepted that Ted Williams was the greatest hitter that the game of baseball's ever seen. He said, but as good as he was there, he did something better. And I said, what's that? He said he was the greatest combat pilot in the history of the armed service. Really? And I think it was that same ability of being able to see it before it happens. And so, you know, I think there's something to that.
1: All right, we saw the return of Dave DeCastro finally. Woof, uh, <laughs> you know we didn't see a lot of him in training camp. That's how Kevin Dotson got a lot of reps in before right. he got hurt. Uh, missed him the first two games. What did you see for number sixty six yesterday?
2: He's back in the saddle. You know, I mean, the beauty, the beautiful thing about it is a guy like that comes in. He's a, he's a multi times All Pro and Pro Bowler, and there's a reason for that because he is that good. I'm, I'm a big Kevin Dotson fan. I'm thrilled. I think we saw a glimpse of the things to come in the future with Kevin Dotson. He's going to have a wonderfully, God willing, you know, no injuries and all so forth, but a, a long and, and wonderful career as a starter. And who knows what great things are in store for him. But Dave DeCastro is a five times Pro Bowler, multiple All Pro. Um, there, he's there for a reason. You know, I mean, that's a highly elite club. And watching him and how we work with Chooks, like he'd been there all. All season long, I mean, passing bodies back and forth in pass pro, making sure that they're on the same page, pulling, getting the trap, logging guys. Um, just he is greatly consistent. You got Marquise Pouncey, and I think for Chukes, you know, what better way to have a whooby than a multiple All All Pro? That was the Pro that was Oh whooby! Yes, the, the whooby blanket. You got to have the your whooby. Chooks is glad to have his <laughs> whooby. Sometimes you never know what's going to drop out of the old gourd. you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did like that one. You were right, Billy. And we talked to DeCastro today, and he said Chooks did well. He said in team protection, uh, you know, I checked on him. I made sure he was okay because J.J. Watt stayed on that side of the line, and he only had one tackle yesterday. So do you think this is maybe helping the run game take even that next step? We've seen 100-yard runners each game, but yesterday he just felt like the run game was getting into more of a rhythm.
0: And I think uh, getting to the second level, is one of the secrets.
2: Yes. No uh, question. And you about
0: have it. an extra guy who can do it. Now, and, and, and again, not to minimize uh, Mr. Dotson's contribution. Somebody told me that Pro Football Focus listed him for week two as the best guard in the National Football League. I that believe game. it was in
2: pass pro. Okay. But regardless,
0: yeah, it but was Yeah, But still, I mean, exceptional okay, so he had a great know, game. Outcome. Yes, absolutely. But as we said yesterday, and you and Tunch exemplify it because you played. Uh, into your second decade in this league, which is hard to do. Ain't nothing like
2: been there and done it. <laughs> That's very true, Billy. And you know what, David did a great job. Um, and I, I just know, having been the young guy, stepping in like Kevin, and when you step in with a Mike Webster and a John Colb or you step step in next to a Marquise Pouncey, there's just a lot of confidence that flows from those guys, you know? And uh, I, I again, like I said, Look forward to seeing Kevin at some point in time, but right now it's Dave DeCastro and don't don't make any mistake about who's better there. Yeah. And what's what's that word yeah. again? The whoobie. The, woobie. the, the woobie. Woobie.
1: <laughs> He DeCastro did say that Kevin Dotson, he said, you know, I watched it firsthand. He played awesome. He looked great. And he said he does have a solid career in front of him. So he was very complimentary of the job Absolutely. that he did. And even, you know, again, talking about Chooks and just how athletic and immensely talented he is and being able to step in. You know, there's been a lot of shuffling. Uh, some minor things with the O-line with Zach Banner going down in the Giants game. Right. But overall, the run game, just being able to wear down the Texans, we talked about. About keeping Deshaun Watson off the field and really helping. And on the 12-play drive for 79 yards, ate up over seven minutes of time, uh, Ben Roethlisberger said, my guys were tired, especially those offensive line. And I told everybody, this is a gut check. This is where you dig deep and tell me if you have it in you.
2: No question about it. I mean, and that's what it's all about. Uh, the beauty of it was, in that fourth quarter, was it the fourth quarter you – did they get there? Okay. Fourth quarter, you have to understand, you know, uh, we've we've been hit a few times in the old bell ringer there. So um, you, the fourth quarter. You're trying
0: to tell us you've been recognified a couple of times? <laughs> recognified.
2: That's, 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 hey, that's, that's a my, highly technical term that's now, That's my you know. favorite term <laughs> out of you. So the you, you look at that, and you're talking about 25 plays, roughly 12 minutes in that fourth quarter, but that's the beauty. You see, you as an offense, you have to really develop that sense of when you feel your opponent weakening, you got to go for the throat. This is the time you put the boots to them. This is the time you finish them off, and so much of it is done with a ground-and-pound running game because when you get those 300-pounders and they're going to the ground and they got to get up, lift their bodies up off the ground and reline up again, then boom, they go down again. They chase Ben for a little while, can't get to him. Oh, you know, it's a bummer, and then boom, down to the ground again. That's when you know you got them, and it's wonderful. There's no feeling in the world like having a James Conner or a Franco Harris in the backfield, <laughs> having a Ben or, or you know, a blonde Bomber, Terry Bradshaw, and you're finishing off your opponent methodically. It's nice.
1: Billy, I know you've had a chance to watch James Conner through various stages of his career. Yesterday, 18 carries, 109 yards, a beautiful touchdown run as well. Uh, What did you see from him in terms of being this bell cow that Coach Tomlin keeps telling us, guys, he is the bell cow. He is our featured back. Even though they're sprinkling different guys in, he is still the lead dog, as Coach likes to say.
0: We said it yesterday. He looks like a healthy athlete. And we haven't been able to say that too often. True. And uh, I, I've watched his whole career at Pitt, and it's almost hard to believe, Missy, that he was recruited by two schools coming out of Erie McDowell. He was recruited by a Mac school and by Pitt as a defensive end. Right. <laughs> uh,
2: and by the way,
1: he he's rushed... got
0: some pretty natural ability, toting that pigskin for a defensive end.
2: He he rushed the pass. He was with Aaron Donald. Got a sack with Aaron Donald at Pitt. He said, "Yes, he did." I believe it
0: was in the bowl game. <laughs> The Pizza Bowl game, don't don't depend on my memory. Well, then I don't, don't re- even look at me. I haven't been <laughs> recognified that often. And there you go. Okay.
1: <laughs> now, uh, Wolf, we heard from Al Villanueva today, and he said he felt like there is more to improve in the run game and they're not quite satisfied. What do you think he meant by that?
2: Sealing some of the run-throughs. Um, some of the run-through guys, you've got to always be aware of the possibility – some of those guys coming underneath and uh, so forth, uh, Bernardrick McKinney, sometime number 55, he ran through a couple of times. So whether you're the lead kickout man, whether you're the trail guy, or whether it's a boss play and you're turning up on there, you've got to locate your man. And also if you get the double team, you've got to move that heavy hoofer who's got his hand on the ground, move him back into the lap of one of those linebackers, and then you've got to make sure one of you get, keeps eyes on the run-through because it's the run-throughs that just blow things up all the time. So that's where I think they, they can probably help themselves.
0: And I think statistically, if you look at yesterday, 4.4 yards per rush, that's that's a win. Oh, yeah. But I think this group wants
2: to have it up around five. It would be nice.
1: <laughs> that's more than a win. All right. I want to tell you one more thing that Alville and Oueva said that might get under Wolf's skin a little bit. We will do that and oh, much whoa. more when we return here on The Point He's After. He's a war hero. That's okay. We'll be right back.
2: <laughs> back to The Point After on DVE.
0: And the run by McFarland shows that speed up over the 30 to 35 first down to the 40 knocked out of bounds at the 45 a 20 yard run by Anthony McFarland the rookie out of Maryland his longest in a black and gold uniform.
1: Welcome back to the point after everybody Missy Matthews with Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley guys still talking about the run game for the Steelers Anthony McFarland the rookie Uh, first game no helmet second game helmet no snaps third game. Get some snaps. He was six for 42, including that 20-yard run you heard on Billy's call. Uh, I'll talk about him in just a little bit, but I did promise to finish up our Alville and Aueva conversation. And, what he was talking about, you know, improvements on the run game, and you touched on that, but he said, you know, offensive linemen, all they do is complain. He said, I have to admit, we complain about everything, about having to practice, about anything changing. It's just that group always complains. Do you agree or disagree?
2: Oh, I agree, (laughs) The guys of today. Ah, okay. <laughs> no, I have to you have to really look the offensive linemen are the beasts of burden. All right. That's the one this is the engine that makes everything go. The defense doesn't get going until the offense starts coming out and banging them around a little bit. It's just the way it is. It's the way it's always been the offensive line. Um they the nice thing is if you go into your meeting room and you go there like five minutes early, you can like you get in there and you vote and you like uh You settle all the problems going on in the world. You solve them. You know I mean? You just, boom, yep, we got it. We're done. (laughs) The
0: sun rises and sets
2: (laughs) for our lineman.
0: (laughs) Did you get the point?
1: I do think, though, that I was going to say to you, Billy, offensive linemen are just so consistent, and they like routine. I feel like if you do switch up a a meeting time or, you know, that just kind of throws them. They are just creatures of habit, and they like to do the same thing.
2: You ever watch a dairy farm and all the cows come in? <laughs> they go right to their stanchions, right. Nobody teaches them; they just go right where they're supposed to go. They're beasts of burden. There you go. A
0: few years ago, when Russ Grimm was the offensive line coach, I happened to be over there watching, and he's grinding this old lineman who shall go nameless. And uh, finally, the old lineman speaks up, Coach, this this is hard work. He goes, What? <laughs> He says, see that guy across this. the street with a jackhammer? That's hard work. Yeah. You're playing football. Yeah. And I think he got the
2: point. <laughs> I think he ended it with shut up and play. <laughs>
0: <laughs> shut up and block.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: All right, going back to Anthony McFarlane, Dave DeCastro was asked about him today, said he was a great young back, very talented, likes the way that he moves in space and what he said he actually reminds him a little bit about of D'Angelo Williams.
2: You know, it's interesting because there is some similarity there. I mean, if you had to go, uh, I don't know, Hindu on, on Anthony McFarland, that's <laughs> a good one. Um, I look at the young man and the, the beauty of his uh, ability to accelerate. When, um, you know, when he hit it around that, on that 20-yard run, mm-hmm. man, you were calling it, man. He hit it and he got it, and I, I look for more of that because that the sort of home, home run hitter, man, you can't have enough of those.
1: Benny, or, uh, Billy, we were talking about Benny Snell uh, prior to the game yesterday. You know, we heard it when he, Coach Tomlin was speaking with Bob Labriola for his pregame show. When you have two fumbles, the guys in Houston put your tape on and say, you can tell the story you want. If That's a fumb- fumbler. Are you surprised the Steelers went to him yesterday?
0: One of the things I've always liked about Mike Tomlin, and, and that includes guys that fumble punts and guys that, you know, make obvious mistakes. He gets you back on the horse and makes you ride again. And I think he did that with Benny. In other words, I don't care. We're going to put him in this situation again, and he's going to learn how to do it right. And I I, I admire that.
2: It's part of the teaching aspect of his nature. Uh, I think I truly believe Mike Tomlin when he says, I don't have a doghouse. Uh, I believe Chuck, when he said, I have a doghouse, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been there. <laughs> you, wouldn't, so... <laughs> you wouldn't even want to be on that porch. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so I think that's just part of how Mike Tomlin goes about his business. And that, as you both said, this is all about making sure, because you're going to need Benny Snell down the, down the road a little bit. So you need him fully confident and ready to go.
1: Billy, in terms of the tight ends, uh, Mike Tomlin was asked prior to this game about Eric Ebron. He said, Keep watching. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. we saw what Eric Ebron can bring to the Steelers offense, particularly in the red zone yesterday.
0: And in his pregame remarks that I heard on the pregame show driving in, he was uh, very humble about it. He said, I don't sit there and say I have to have five catches for so many yards and a touchdown. I want to win. And then those stats take care of themselves. Uh, And I said, Well, you know, it sounds like a guy that's ready to break out, and he did. He had the five catches, averaged, what, 10 yards plus a catch, which is very mm-hmm. good. And, uh, you know, the touchdown was a work of art. I said he took the ball away from the receiver. Then I looked at the slow-mo replay from the defender. Uh, ben put the ball right there where
2: only he could catch it. Well, you had 6'5 versus like six foot or 5'11 at the corner there. That's the thing that just amazed me was the fact that you split this tight end out, and you literally got a D back on him. You are saying, "Okay, you know, do what you got to do. You are going to run a fade route. A fade route that takes a little, a little panache. You know, got to have a little <laughs> suave to it. You know, <laughs> what's it doing, guys? I it's wish just everyone like
1: could see you right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be bad. Panache so. and suave. It just Man, the manner is <laughs> I got to rate these down. <laughs> but uh, you know, he. It was a great throw, and it was a great catch, and it was just like wow. That's why they brought him in.
1: Eric Ebron also reminds me of Joe Hayden when he first came to the Steelers after being with the Browns for so many years. I'm not knocking other teams, but just that um, sense of being excited about winning a football game. Uh, I think everybody's excited to be three. No, but you could just tell from, uh, you know, not that I see Eric Ebron in person every day, but just his social media and the way he's carrying himself. And he's just he's happy to be here.
2: There's a culture in that locker room that is very special. It's been special since I came here in 1980, and it's not changed in any way, shape, or form. And um, you talk to the guys that have left the Steelers and gone elsewhere and the few that have actually come back, you know, and it's it's an exciting, wonderful thing. Um, and there's a lot of people out there that would love to be able to land in Pittsburgh because of the, the culture, of the city, um, and the heritage. One I mean, day at St. Vincent yeah. – we had
0: just gotten, uh, I think,
2: a wide out, or was it a
0: halfback? Uh, anyhow, from San Francisco. And uh, he caught a pass over the middle. Now, oh, this is practice. And he got lit up. And he got up and looked and stared at the guy that tackled him. And one of the other guys on defense said, this is how we do it in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the black and gold. Enough
2: you know? Enough said
1: one thing uh, that is worth mentioning because we spent a lot of time talking about it last week was the penalties. The Steelers only had two penalties for 14 yards. I know I talked about it at the beginning of the game yesterday, but Coach Tomlin was not happy with the amount of penalties against the uh, Denver Broncos during week two. So they brought some officials into practice. He said it was you know, maybe it's just little mental things here and there. It's a chance for young guys to ask questions of how things are going to be officiated and to understand their point of emphasis of what they have been told to look for and to call because again no preseason for anybody and even you know up at St. Vincent when there's training camp we're used to seeing officials officials were not allowed inside teams training camps this year do
2: you ever remember when you were a little kid you're sitting around and you're like you know I know I'm not supposed to do this but if I do (laughs) if I get caught I get whipped but if nobody's here then I'm I'm not going to get in trouble It's the same way with the officials. You tend to lose a few mental RPMs. You get a little lax. You know, your hands, you might grab a little jersey. You're doing things. And those things can carry over. And one of the dynamics that you're seeing in these empty stadiums is how guys start to fall into a lull. And you can see it happening without the the crowd around and the juice of things going on. And you need somebody to bring some effort. What did you see yesterday but Stefan Tewitt when things got into a lull in the third mm. quarter? Stefan Tewitt took over the game, and he brought this big bang. He brought the energy, and all of a sudden now here goes Vinny, and then here goes somebody else. And they're all getting in on it, but that's the danger of no crowd and, you know, the, the less than exciting atmosphere. And the same thing happens in practice. You can get lulled to a sense of I'm, I'm doing too fine when you're not. You're going to get penalties, but the ones that kill are the pre-snap.
0: And I think by bringing officials into practice, you get players who concentrate more because they know that that whistle's coming if they do something sloppy. And I I I, I think it really helped, and
2: maybe he'll do it again if he has to. I remember jumping off sides three times <laughs> in one practice. Three times in one Chuck, practice? Chuck came up to me goes, you know, <laughs> said – said a third grader has an attention span of maybe 30 seconds, a second grader, about 15, a kindergartner, first grader, maybe five. You couldn't remember from the eight yards deep, <laughs> the line of scrimmage, where that put you? And I, all I could do was, I ain't saying a word. <laughs> I ain't saying a word. <laughs> oh, my.
1: Uh, you brought up the no fan situation Uh, on the Steelers pregame show here on DVE Steelers president Art Rooney II was on and said that they feel like they have come up with a safe plan. They do feel that they can uh, hopefully when they meet with state and local officials, be able to hopefully for the Steelers next home game in October, get some fans in the building. And Billy, I don't know about you, but I I think it would really help because the players are legitimately having to create their own energy. there's nothing to feed off other than yourselves it's just it's even weird when they run out to the field i almost want to politely like golf clap just because i'm in the stands
0: because it's just it's, exactly it's quiet
1: it's just it's so quiet it's great
0: and it's uh <laughs> surreal is that a good word yes uh, and we talked about it yesterday uh, there was at one point where they were uh, oilers i want to call them one right. texans up 14 three and there was a A lull. And I'm saying, you know, at this point, if there were fans in the stands, they'd be exhorting the Steelers to, you know, come on, come on, wake up. And there was nothing. And I think it's tough for the players to do that for themselves on a repeated basis. I think they can do it once, maybe twice. But for the whole game or a whole quarter to sustain that is really tough. And I give them credit because, as you said, Stefan helped them create their own energy and as long as you have leaders like that that's a good thing but it's just too bad that the fans aren't there to uh, render their appreciation
2: that's why we didn't see Renegade in the fourth quarter I'm sure cuz I've really realized I don't I'm sure you guys all do too Renegade's really about the fans cuz the fans go crazy and then the players pick the juice up from the fans but when there's no fans <laughs> Renegade was just kind of like, okay, you know? (laughs) It's the acoustic version of a hard rock song. That's about what it was.
1: Well, for week four in Tennessee, the Steelers are going there this weekend uh, to face the 3-0 and Titans as well. They are allowed to have fans, so I think it's about six to 7,000. So that who knows if Steelers Nation will sneak in. I'm sure it's for season ticket holders, but I I bet you any money we see some terrible towels waving uh, for that game, no doubt.
2: I wouldn't doubt it. You know, the, ter- the terrible towel travels, right? And oh, the, the Steelers fans, they get where they need to go. Um, that's That would be cool to see, would it not?
1: All right, the other thing, uh, just two injuries to mention. Coach Tomlin has his weekly press conference tomorrow at noon. Derek Watt is dealing with a hamstring injury. Deontay Johnson is in the concussion protocol, so... Not much new information other than what we found out after the game yesterday. Hopefully there will be an update tomorrow, but the Steelers uh, players do not return to practice until Wednesday. So I think uh, getting Deontay Johnson back does help in terms of that wide receiver group. It really felt like Billy. The Texans were trying to shut him down. They had Roby on him a lot yesterday. So I think he is an important piece to that puzzle for the Steelers offense. There
0: is no question. And let's go back to that punt return that was called back against Denver. uh hmm I'm saying, what is he seeing that most normal humans do not see? He was left when he looked like he should should have gone right, and and so on and so forth. It was called back because of, I think it was Cam Sutton's
2: illegal hit. Oh, you didn't have to out him like that, man. Come on. (laughs) Number 20. So Anyhow,
0: you know, he he just has that ability, and he's got the darting quickness to go with it. And, uh, yeah, he's he requires attention from opposing defensive coordinators, no question.
2: Some players just know they know how to be great. You know, for me, I can pick out the chocolate chip cookie that has the most chocolate chips <laughs> without even going and counting. I just I can do it. But that's why, you know, you that's why you have a Deontay Johnson that can pick his way through you know, cross town traffic out on the field. He has that instinct, that ability. It's God given. How All many right. beans in the jar? Wolf says, Let me taste them, I'll tell you. <laughs>
1: And count. All right, very quickly, guys. Kansas City at Baltimore tonight, Monday Night Football. Who are you taking in this one, Billy? Baltimore's
0: at home. Um, <laughs> no fans. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, could be the two best teams in the conference. I don't happen to think so. I think the Steelers are in that conversation. Uh, but do you want me to pick a winner? Sure. I'll pick the road team.
1: Okay. Wolf?
2: You know, I <laughs> – I went back and forth, and I got to tell you, so I watched a game film with Houston played both these teams. Or, I'm sorry, they played the the Ravens, and what was it the other one? No, it was the Chiefs. Yeah, they played played the Chiefs. Yeah, tough tough start to their season. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, I just, I was so impressed with the Ravens. I hate to say it, but the Ravens, I think the Ravens do it.
1: All right, we will see who uh, is and 3-0 after tonight. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us here on The Point After. I'm Missy Matthews for Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley. Have a great night. We'll see you next Monday night.